This is an interview with Inhuman Condition on Sunday, July 4th, 2021 by Nick Brickell. Now, um, can you tell me about getting your first drum set, Jeremy? Yes, my first drum set was a uh, given to me by my dad. Uh, he got it from a pawn shop when I was seven years old. It was a green pearl export, and I liked it so much that when I became of age to buy my own drum set, I bought the same damn drum set, not understanding that I needed to upgrade. I was just happy enough to buy a kit, so it was kind of funny. So it was a pearl export. Now, uh, Taylor, can you tell me about your first guitar? Uh, sure. Um, I got my first guitar for Christmas when I was 13 years old. And I uh, probably had been asking for a guitar maybe a few years before that, but my parents gave me the old, ah, you'll never play that type of thing. So I begged them and begged them. And then uh, Christmas morning, I got uh, a, it was a Johnson guitar and it was a, like a black Strat style guitar with a 10 watt Johnson amp. She, and, she's uh, going to cut off your Johnson. <laughs> and I still have that guitar with me, actually. Jeremy, were you involved in any like music schools or private tutors or conservatories when you were younger? No, just the house of rock that I was brought up in. My dad was a uh, was a guitar player, and I uh, used to uh, every Sunday when everybody was do- doing you know church and the like. My dad and I were playing music, so I was kind of brought up to rock. Taylor, what about you? I took guitar lessons for um, maybe the first like three years that uh, I took, well, that I was playing guitar. Uh, I went through a couple different guys, and then uh, I ended up with uh, these two fellas, Aaron and Tony, who pretty much showed me probably 90% of the music that I listen to now, stuff like Death and At the Gates and King Crimson and The Haunted and stuff like that. So I I took lessons for a couple years and then kind of just went and did my own thing and you know, made my own bad habits. When it came to the massacre music that eventually became Rat God, did you rehearse and record at the Smoke and Mirror studio or like another place when you were composing it? Uh, that was all written and recorded here at Smoke and Mirrors, um, our studio here in Spring Hill. All the guitars were demoed out by me, and uh, then Jeremy and I went and kind of chopped up all the arrangements fine-tuned them and uh, maybe swapped out a bridge or a verse riff here and there. And we had all the drums and guitars tracked here uh, by the end of 2019. So our part were done for about a year and a half before, you know, Rat God finally came out. Now, can you tell me about um, creating the Smoke and Mirrors um, recording studio and how has it, like, evolved over time? Well, um, I started that personally in I think somewhere around like 2006 I started doing all the pre-production for our band The Absence for the Riders of the Plague record so I started in a very infantile stage then and whenever we recorded uh, Riders of the Plague we had hired Jonas Sjogren and flew him over from Sweden him and I became very good friends and he was essentially a mentor to me in the early stages of my recording. And at about 2009, I built my own studio. And it was a pretty sweet setup. 
And uh, when I was building it, I was like, well, I need a name for a studio, you know, because obviously you have to have a name for something. And part of owning a studio is making magic when there is no magic. So I figured Smoke and Mirrors was a pretty perfect name for a studio. So here we are, all these years later, still putting magic sprinkles onto uh, sometimes turds. Or, you know, maybe sometimes it's a good thing, and then we just put magic sprinkles on it. So, yeah. It's not always turds. Now, you titled the album Rat God. What does that mean to you? Uh, to me, it means uh, anybody could be a rat god. It's any real scumbag that you know. And you know a scumbag or two. Could be your... Could be your, one of your parents, could be a, 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 an ex-girlfriend, could be your current girlfriend, could be your husband, could be a boss, could be anybody. It's kind of like a Lord of the Slime, you know. They, uh, they exist, those people are out of there. Uh, those people are out there, rather. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was just a pretty sweet title. So there we go. And that's the actual song, Rat God, is written about Richard Ramirez, who is the Night Stalker. When you were forming this band and getting Terry Butler and Rick Ross involved, what would you say was the most inspirational death album for you? Me personally, Taylor here, uh, my favorite death metal album of all time is Human by Death, uh, which, of course, Rick and Terry were not on. Um, but they were, uh, you know, my first, that was my first death album. I'm a huge fan fan of all the records and obviously most everything that terry's played on and rick of course big influence as well so uh i mean i guess the obvious ones leprosy spiritual healing and then of course from beyond uh for me my favorite death record was individual thought patterns because gene hoagland is a fucking mutant and uh you can quote me on that and put that on my tombstone and roll me in a shroud that says gene hoagland rules and uh, it'd be pretty sweet. And I want it to be, I want my funeral to be narrated by a, a Japanese lady named Miyako, because she's great. Now, for your song, Tarantula, how did you get Rick Ross to lay down that guitar solo on the song? Uh, well, once we left Massacre, um, we had like a floodgate of messages come through saying, like, oh, not surprised, you know, saw that coming, hold up sort of thing and uh rick and terry were two of those messages that we got and so we you know chatted about our previous uh traumas with certain ex massacre well certain current massacre members member and uh yeah member it was pretty much as simple as well hey do you want to hear some of the music and they were both like oh this is killer and we're like hey rick would you want to lay down a solo or three and he said hell yeah so it was actually pretty simple to get him on board and then terry we had spoken to around the same time and he was just uh he was working on some things with obituary at the time and then when his schedule allowed it he was all for doing the record and being a full-time band member and so it's pretty easy to get get those guys on board thankfully yeah they uh to quote joe perry the music did the talking so here we are I believe um, I heard that you had um, Rick lay down um, solos for three different songs. Can you tell me about um, the other songs besides Tarantula? Uh, well, I can't tell you 
in the titles because I'd have to kill you. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you that there's going to be two songs on whatever the next record is that will have him, uh, two solos. And uh, also, we had uh, Paul from Cannibal Corpse write lyrics for one of the songs on this record, and he has a song on the next record as well. So we kind of just had those guys do their guest parts on the songs and then we chose which songs were going to go on the first record so were you able to pick up any cool lessons or techniques from working with either of those guys i feel like we all got a lesson of coolness from terry because he's one cool dude um, yeah i at least went down two or three uh, degrees in temperature because he's <laughs> definitely cool he's definitely cool no terry's uh he was a pleasure to work with is a pleasure to work with um I guess I don't know if I necessarily learned anything from working with the guys, but it was pretty cool to watch Rick rip on my uh, my guitar, hear it through my amp, because he didn't have a guitar set up in D at the time, so he just used my rig, and that was pretty cool to see him uh, go ham on my whammy bar, so that was pretty cool. For each of you, for this album, what song were you most proud of how it turned out? Uh, for me, I'd say Tyrantula. Um, it was pretty pretty amazing. Originally, just thinking about writing a drum intro that could have a couple drummers on stage, all like Sepultura style. And then when I got into the mixing end of it, it really really allowed me to flex my uh, my arise muscles and make a killer ambient intro. And then it just goes into such a heavy heavy punishing riff that happens next. And a Florida did a body bang. I did like a full bend over body bang. Like, uh, damn sure my head almost hit the ground. I was head banging so hard. So I was like, this here is a keeper for me. And then uh, Taylor wrote some really killer lyrics for that song. Lyrically, it's about, uh, you know, just about another, some, some unsavory types, you know? Uh, so. It's really cool to be able to yell that into a microphone at people. And, uh, yeah, it's really heavy, and you get, it gets a good mosh going, which, who doesn't like a good mosh? Taylor, take it away. Uh, my favorite is probably, well, also Tyrantula is pretty, pretty cool, but uh, I guess I've been saying that my favorite is Euphorophobia. I think because it's, like, about as caveman as it gets. There's only three riffs. Just kind of has that one-two punch in the beginning, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, demon punching uh, intro. And, yes, uh, it's sans got, sans long-winded intro. It's like yeah, a, it's we, right to the biscuits. We don't mess around. No uh, no foreplay in that one. And it has also a cool little mosh bridge. So you know, being a thrash guy, I love I love a good mosh. Yeah, George Washington. Now I notice you've come up with like three or four music videos for the album. Uh, for each of you, what was your favorite? Uh, my favorite is Tyrantula, I think. Mine too. Our roommate's here. She says her too. Uh, also, it's Jeremy's wife. Uh, she filmed the video, so that was pretty cool. I mean, she filmed a lot of the videos we did, but, uh, I think that one turned out the coolest. It has, a. I've always been a fan of just videos with the guys just playing. I think, I mean, I like going to shows, so it's kind of like a little private show and, uh, kind of has a cool sort of Pantera vibe to it, which I'm all right with. So Yeah, it's like a no bullshit kind of video. It's just the guys and there's no cutscenes and anything flashy or fancy. It's just our mugs for two and a half, three minutes. And we're not even facing each 
each other, which is unique. It is pretty unique. Yeah, yeah me too. I like I like the same one, and I think that Taylor summed it all up. Now, what's your favorite ghost story or urban legend you picked up from bands you've toured with or chatting with fans after a show over the years? I think uh, I think what's a pretty good one is uh, there's a skunk ape here in Florida. It's like a Yeti or like a, like an abominable snowman and uh, or an abdominal snowman if, if he got the right six-pack. I hadn't heard too much about the skunk ape until... Well, uh, I ride bicycles with uh, Glenn Benton, and he was actually, he's on record for having a sighting of them, and he told me about the uh, skunk ape, and it kind of blew my mind. I was pretty Im- pretty impressed by uh, by the fact that we have a, you know, a skunk ape here. Like, what the hell? I mean, Google it. Whenever we hang up, like, let me get off the line here. If you're just listening at home, just whenever you turn your computer off, look up skunk ape, and then you'll see some pretty sweet photos. Cool. Now. Would you like to go back to any questions? Ah, uh, no, I think we're all right. What about you? What about you? Yeah, do you do you have anything you want to touch on? I guess um probably what would be like your three absolute rarest demos or things like that in your personal collection of death metal albums? Uh well, as a CD collector, uh, I probably have I don't know, 800 or 1000 or something. Uh, one of my favorites is this Russian thrash band called Aspid. I believe the album title is Extravasation or Extravasation. I don't even know how to say it. Technical, like, thrash stuff. They did one album, and, and uh, I waited for to see it pop up on eBay and finally got it. And uh, that's probably my most, one of my most rare items. I see. Uh, yeah, I don't really have too big of a... I don't have too big of a CD collection. Uh, not these days. All of my stuff was stolen before. So I have a, used to have a bunch of them. And then kind of after I lost 500 CDs, I got like gutted and was like, I'm okay. I actually didn't collect music for a while after that. I was pretty much a curmudgeon. And then I started uh, collecting vinyl again. And uh, so I'm pretty proud of my uh, my vinyl collection. I don't really have too many like super rare things. Um I'm pretty proud to have the uh, Japanese version of Rat God, though. That's that's a pretty cool thing to have in the collection. Yeah, me too. I guess I'd have to say. I mean, I I realize I keep saying that, but Taylor and I are brothers slash best friends for a reason. So there we go. <laughs> I see. Cool. Like, um, I'm just a, a huge Japanese collector. I mean, probably the coolest thing I have on vinyl. Speaking about what you guys just said is, um. The 1987 Japanese vinyl of The Ultraviolence by Death Angel. It was just like one of those things. I saw it on eBay five or six years ago, and it was just like one of those things where it's just like, Merry Christmas to me. Yeah. Sometimes you have to splurge. Yeah. Yeah. I just ordered ordered the new Metallica Black Album box for a pretty... Yeah, that's got lots of stuff in it. Like, I don't know if any of you guys are out there listening, or you, Nick, are aware of like exactly what's in that thing. But holy smokes, it's it's very much worth the price tag that it comes with. Like, when you break it down to a down to the brass tacks, it's very minimal for each item. So it's pretty sweet. So I'll I'll get that in the end of September. So that'll probably be in my top list of cool discs. Yeah, don't you have that Queensryche box set thing too? Oh yeah, I have I have the long box 
version of uh, Operation Live Crime, and it has the live VHS in it, which is pretty awesome. I think I got it at a flea market for $2. Yeah, we saw it somewhere weird, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I guess we have some cool stuff. We got some stuff. I got a first pressing of uh, Venom's Black Metal, so I guess that's pretty killer. That's that's pretty pretty sweet that's a you know again vinyl collecting you know it was a it was a long time there where i was pretty fucking disgruntled because some drug addict broke my wind window out and took my cd collection they probably were like sweet i can make 20 bucks over at the pawn shop and i was like sweet i spent thousands and that's all of my life <laughs> it's but i guess bad on me because i had them all with me in the car so yeah rock and roll thanks a lot um This has been an interview with Inhuman Condition on Sunday, July 4th, 2021 by Nick Perkow.